0: welcome to 360 Conversations. This is a podcast featuring powerful conversations with business and well-being thought leaders, experts, and founders. We will be digging deep while sharing experience, insights, and tips for busy Generation X women seeking ways to strip back, simplify, live intentionally, and create space for everyday joy. I'm your host, Tamu Thomas founder of the 360 brand i'm a life coach speaker writer and podcaster too i am passionate in fact i believe that it is my divine assignment to help generation x women connect with their inner leader the leader that resides in their emotions buried by logic and the desire to be good logic and being good according to someone else's standards is okay for surviving but round here we are in the business of thriving. I use my background in social work, life coach training and my superpower of loving kindness to help women connect to who they really are so they can expand into themselves fully embrace their leadership qualities and relinquish the chaos that exists within the duality of who we are and who we think we should be. My intention for this podcast is to plant seeds and create aha moments that bring you closer to your centre so that you can start to embrace your 360 degrees wholeheartedly. Hello you wonderful people. Before I talk about this week's episode I would like to know if you are signed up to my mailing list. My mailing list gets you a spot in my ecosystem where I share newsletters with you and the aim is for these newsletters to be place for me to inform you about 360 happenings, but also a source of nourishment, nurturing and inspiration. My most recent newsletter was a bumper newsletter. It included a masterclass on resilience and focus for a global pandemic and also my everyday joy prescription. If you would like nourishment for your body, mind and soul, do sign up. There will be links in the show notes for you to join the ecosystem. Okay, on to this episode. I'm joined by Vadney Davis. She is a children's fashion stylist. She's just an all-round RT visionary to be perfectly honest. She is also the co-founder of Mums That Rave, which is exactly what it says on the tin, a rave for mums. But this rave is all about wellness, connection, community. It is one of the most beautiful dance experiences I've had for a long time. And I'm not really into clubbing anymore. And it's a place where women can find joy on the dance floor. Vadney is also the founder of Mums That Slay, which is an online community that celebrates women that are mothers and reminds us that our womanhood is part and parcel, is actually the leading factor in our motherhood. So we mustn't neglect it. We also discussed the importance of black women having spaces where they can be their authentic selves without conforming to racial stereotypes and without being some kind of token or placed strategically for entertainment and to tick box diversity quotas. It was a really rich conversation and Evadne highlighted things that I hadn't thought about consciously but was very aware of unconsciously. We talk about all things joy, community and authenticity and have just a beautiful conversation that left me feeling really nourished and grounded. And I hope it does the same for you, too. If you like this episode, please do rate and review it, and please do share with somebody you think would benefit from listening. If you share on your social media channels, please do tag me at Live360 and also Evadne at Mums That Slay. Enjoy. Hello, lovely people. Welcome back to another episode of 360 Conversations. Today, I am joined by my friend. I'm really, really delighted to have this person on the podcast with us. Her name is Evadne Davis. She is a children's stylist. She um, has a beautiful online community, uh, which is mainly on Instagram, but there's also a blog to go with it called Mums That Slay. And Mums That Slay is a real celebration of motherhood but not motherhood as in martyrdom, but motherhood in celebrating yourself as a woman that is also a mother. And she does lots of stuff that reminds us we are women before we are mothers. And, Mums That Slay led to a collaboration that created Mums That Rave and I'm not going to say any more than that because we're going to be talking about that later on but um, I'm really delighted to have Evadne on this podcast because she is one of the most grounded people um, I know really, um, and yes, we all have wobbles and we all have ups, downs, lefts, rights and all the rest of it. But I just find that she always comes back to this really grounded place, but not in a, I'm so serious. I know all this stuff kind of way. Um, so I just absolutely love having her in my life and I know you guys are going to love having her on this podcast. So without further ado, I'm going to hand over to the lady herself,
1: me Davies. Hello. (laughs) What an introduction. Wow. Thank you. I'm so excited to be
0: here. I'm glad that you're excited (laughs) to be here. We have tried on and off and now COVID-19 is making it our schedules are a bit more (laughs) open. So we have time. We have time. Wide (laughs) Wide Oh yeah, for you. Right, we'll come on to that. But before we go into that, could you please tell my listeners that have not had the pleasure of coming across you yet a bit about yourself and what you do?
1: Hmm. So my name is Evadne. I am a wife. I'm a mum of two children. I'm a very proud Londoner, South Londoner. Oy, oy, oy. Um, <laughs> oy, oy. i am a daughter of the caribbean diaspora and that is very important to me too and i am a kids fashion stylist um a blogger and an events community producer <laughs> that is me and a good friend
0: <laughs> and a very good friend um I just want to pick up on something. i provided Evadne with some talking points, but already I'm going off-piste. Off-piste <laughs> is my favourite piece, so we're going there. Uh-oh. Evadne, Yes. Thinking about being the daughter or a daughter of the diaspora, and... Mm. Um, you know, I know you, so I know that you are very proud of your Caribbean heritage. You are very into um, being curious and open and constantly learning about all things of African heritage, as well as all the other stuff you're interested in. And I can't remember where I saw it, but I'm sure it was somewhere on Instagram. Oh no, actually, I think it was Twitter, where somebody said um, something about they and their family were really proud that they had lots of survival and coping skills for the coronavirus until they checked themselves and realized that actually they've got coping skills that can support them through coronavirus because they've had to live in a constant state of survival. And they were African-American being African-American. When I share that with you, what, what comes up to the
1: surface? Um, I think in my case, it's kind of true, um, in the sense that, um, you know, growing up with just my mum, um, we always were prepared for anything, things stretched and we made every mickle makes a muckle, right? Mm -hmm. So you take something very small and out of it, we had loads of stuff, (laughs) um, and the same with, um... My grand, my granny. I think of my grandpa. My granddad, not so much, but my granny, Jamaican granny, saved everything. So I think, in terms of this season that we're in, I do feel prepared because of that sense of being um, ready. Having a having a loft full of toilet paper already, <laughs> <laughs> having um, cupboards full of dried pulses, and knowing that I from that I can make the most delicious meals for my family because i can cook mm-hmm. um and i have a sewing machine and i can make things and i know how to grow things because my mum has an allotment that she's had for years because my granddad was great with his hands in growing things so i do think there is definitely something to that it's a a sense of just saying well i have this little thing and out of that we're going to make a lot and it's going to be okay absolutely definitely.
0: absolutely and i do think that i'm i'm i know that from the the tri- the twitter thread that i was reading they were definitely talking about it from the trauma perspective about the trauma that um globally and we can use a, a black in a monolithic term mm-hmm. that black people um have endured and experienced but, but on the flip side whilst she was looking at it from a, tr- a trauma perspective I did think to myself that in this situation of global pandemic survival skills are really great skills to have yeah especially with um, somebody that I know works for an organization and she is a manager of a team and working from home has been even more taxing for her because her team don't know how to be alone there were team members that wanted to continue to come into work, even when the office said they were closing down for people to work at home because they were so frightened. And I will use, and I use that word intentionally, frightened of being home alone. And you were in that situation a lot sooner than many. Yeah, I mean, a bit,
1: um I'm, that weird um, generation, I don't know what it's called, I was born in 1981, what's that, Latchkey Kids? Latchkey
0: Kids, so you're kind of, your Generation Latchkey. X going into a Xennial, and yeah, we are the original yeah. Latchkey Kids.
1: I mean, there were times when I had to, I stayed home, I watched black and white movies, I made some egg and toast and ended for myself, so... I have it's interesting what you're saying about that because I have read about the concerns for younger people who for them this will be a complete shock. You know, they've never had to be alone. And and I, I also saw something the other day, being of this generation, you know, we've gone through um apartheid protests and boycotting South <laughs> African foods. We've seen two wars, we've seen 9-11, we've had Crashes like the IRA, (laughs) yeah. What a life! We've seen some stuff already, and you know, things come and they go, and you kind of can forget that hardship because you know that things ultimately change Mm -hmm. and things move on. So, I'm always I have to roll with it, you know. With me, I had to make the decision for my family, I have two underlying health conditions. Thankfully, I'm not at the highest risk. But we, you know, I had to make that call before Boris did (laughs) that my family was going into lockdown. And Mm -hmm. so we, this is our third week at home. Yeah. Okay. And that meant, yeah, walking away from um, shoots that I had been booked to do. Thankfully, they got cancelled anyway, but I had to make that call to lock everything down.
0: Mm. Okay, so I'm going to stick a pin in being at home with your family for three weeks because I went straight into a question um, and I didn't finish letting you introduce yourself. So you are a children's stylist. How did you come to being a children's stylist? Because that's not where you began your career.
1: No, I had, the plan was from a very young age that I was going to be a fashion designer had a DT teacher who came up to me and he gave me a copy of The Face magazine. He's like, I think you need to read this. And I wish I still kept it. It had JK on it from Jamaica on the front cover. And I was exposed to subcultures and like cool designers. And I was like, this is my world. That's where I first discovered Central St. Martins. I was like, I'm going there. And I got into Central St. Martins. It was really hard to get in there. Yeah, that's a big feat. By the end of my first week, I hated it. I absolutely hated St. Martins, um, and I just stuck with it because it's like getting into Oxford, you know? Mm-hmm. If you want to do fashion, you go to St. Martins. My third year, I worked in New York for a fashion designer, um, and I hated that too. Got to the end of my degree, and it's funny, my head of um, the degree course at the time, Willie Waters, who's since retired, she said to me, Evadne, you should be a stylist, and I was like, oh. And now I'm going to go into PR because I've done a bit of work experience. It's fun. So I kind of fell into PR. It paid. It paid all right. I did events, got champagne, goodie bags, all that kind of stuff. And five years into it, I was quite senior by then. And I lacked that creativity in my daily life. And I felt really frustrated. I knew I was good at my job, but the money, the paychecks, the, you know, the going and having nice breakfast and stuff wasn't enough and started doing um short courses on the sides just to kind of whet my creative appetite one of them was a styling course with people I had done my degree with and they said why on earth are you here um and I just didn't think I was good enough I left St Martin's completely broken in terms of my confidence of myself as a creative why what happened um we had Uh, Lack of diversity, um, also it's very prescriptive, like St. Martin's knows how to create designers and they know what boxes to tick. As a black woman, they wanted me to be a certain kind of designer. And if you think about black women that were designers in the noughties, I doubt you could think of anything, of anyone. And so they were pushing me down kind of streetwear. That wasn't my aesthetic at Mm -hmm. all. And I look back at some of the designs that I had and my sketchbooks and I weep because actually I was a really great designer and it's, it's a shame that I didn't do it, but you know, it wasn't meant to be, Mm -hmm. Um, but that's the box that they had put me in. And I really struggled with the um, nepotism and favoritism and all of that kind of stuff. It just, it was a very unhappy place. So I left there thinking I wasn't very good mm-hmm. and so doing these courses with my peers who were like why are you here oh they were facilitating like, the courses were they, they, facil- they were my tutors and right, they were right, like right. why are you here yeah <laughs> um my husband got offered a job uh, transferring transfer in Canada and so we left the UK and I said right you know what I've got a portfolio of styling work that I've been doing on the weekends for fun and I'm going to try and make it happen. And I got signed within three months by like the biggest agent in Canada. And I was styling I was doing music videos, I was doing editorials, adverts. I loved it. Wow. Um, we moved back after I had my son. Um, and um, London is very competitive as a stylist. I, I met an agent here, and they said, you know, you're going to have to be going to all the parties, doing all the networking. And I didn't really want to do that with my son. Um, as a baby and also I was discovering the world of kids fashion mm-hmm. and I'd always thought it was x and it turned out to be everything you can imagine and all kinds of wonderful all kinds of cool all kinds of um interesting I didn't want to and because I felt so much joy in my life with him I really loved that idea of bringing that joy into my work and so mm-hmm. I my friend at the t- time was star director at living etc she was doing christmas editorial and they were having some kids in it including my son and i said can i style it and that was that that was the beginning so i did a massive christmas editorial for living etc years ago and i haven't looked back and i just made that my corner of the industry that i loved it worked well with the balance of having kids because you're working with kids' models, you're not going to be out in the middle of the night mm-hmm. in East London in, doing a photo shoot. And I knew that it was free. I didn't have to always be ironic and cool. I could have joy in my, in my pictures um, and what I was creating. And yeah, so that's, that's what I do. I work with anything from babies up until teens, um, but increasingly doing kind of mum and children stories too.
0: I absolutely love that because when you moved over to Canada, the logical thing would have been to look for PR jobs over there. But you actually started following those joy crumbs to do something that you really wanted to do rather than what you should do.
1: And it's interesting because moving to Canada, I felt like I had a fresh slate. No one knew me. And so I literally was coming in as the outsider um, and very different to how Canadians operate as well, how they talk to each other. They are very nice and all that kind of stuff and, and a bit more reserved. And I was just like, hey, how are you doing? I'm new, want to work? And also bringing a very different aesthetic that they mm-hmm. weren't used to as well. It was very European um, and they're much more kind of downplayed in LA. So I, it kind of, yeah, it blew up out there and it was mm. a great... It was a great experience and a great place for me to build up my confidence and build up a really good portfolio as well.
0: And then the other thing that I want to pick up, you know, I, I'm, you can't see, but I'm seeing um, Evadne and it's like, the, um, it's like one of those alarm clocks that has the light that gets brighter um, to wake you up. Like literally her whole f- like being is lighting up with this. Um, the other thing that I want to pick up is that you had a career, a highly sought after career in PR. You then went off and studied in your own time because you weren't satisfied with that. So you weren't waiting for the right time. You went off and created the right time to go and do the study on the side, went to Canada, decided I'm going to follow some joy here and made a career for yourself out there, returned to the UK as a mother and didn't think to yourself, I'm a mum now, I've got to follow this code. You actually put yourself out there and asked if you could style this shoot for a magazine rather than, oh, it's a magazine, I don't have enough experience. Oh my goodness, limit, limit, limit. You it sounds
1: to me like you
0: followed possibility.
1: Kind of.
0: Okay. I did
1: it, <laughs> kind of. Because I had some wisdom here. I'm coming back to London. Mm-hmm. And so I did both. <laughs> I freelanced and I just did lots of different things. I I um, I freelanced in PR again, but for brands that I really wanted to work for. So I, I was PR manager at um, Selfridges on a short contract looking after their Christmas campaign. And that's actually where I did um, the Living Etc. shoot from. Um, and then at the same time, I was freelancing at the Daily Mirror on their fashion desk. So I just had my fingers... In many different pies, knowing that it was all going to lead to where I needed to be. But I needed that finance to kind of set me up for what I intended to do, which was to leave PR firmly behind me. Mm-hmm. Close that door and step into this new reality as a fashion stylist and start literally from the bottom, which See, I did while I was pregnant. That's when I made that decision with my second daughter,
0: with my second child.
1: Yes, see, I think
0: see, I think that is wonderful because a lot of women that make inquiries about coaching with me or that I have chats with on social media come to me because they feel stuck. And I say none of us are stuck. It is um, physically impossible to be stuck. What happens is we repeat patterns over and over again. And then we tell ourselves stories to support the patterns. So a story many women that want to work with me tell themselves is that they're too old or they're too established. They can't start again. They should have had it all figured out. All of those are like a prison on top of a prison on top of a prison. And what I really, really love is that you had your eyes on the prize and you worked your way towards there. It's almost as if we forget that we, yeah, you're in your mid 30s to 40s, whatever, and you are quite senior or you're very senior within your career. I think that we often forget that it took time to get there. So, if we want to do if we want to do something new, we need to give ourselves the grace, and time, and space to get there. It's not as if we can click our fingers and replicate the seniority we have in the career that we've been working towards since we left uni. All of a sudden,
1: exactly. It was so. It was. I I certainly felt that. You know, when I moved back from Canada, I was thirty-one. And I was applying for jobs on fashion desks. This was say I was thirty-two, mm-hmm. maybe by then I'd done some stuff at the the, the mirror. I had a styling portfolio. I applied for maybe hundred different jobs working fashion desks, and I was too old. And I was literally like, "I'm never going to get in this. I've missed my chance." Literally, everything said, "I've missed my chance." And that's kind of how I ended up dabbling in a bit of PR and a bit of this because. I was like, well, better go back to what I know. Mm -hmm. And that's when I had the epiphany that if I couldn't go in that way, I needed to create my own route to where I needed to be. And I needed to give it time. And in creating my own pathway to where I wanted to be, which is, you know, a kid's fashion stylist at the top of my game, I had to create my own path and knock down my own doors because, and actually I'm really glad because I'd limited myself. I'm glad I didn't get those jobs. Because they weren't, oh, especially now in,
0: in print and publishing, mm-hmm. oh what gosh, a nightmare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. And I just love that the, the, you made your own path, you made your own route. I think something that we're learning more and more, even if we look at this COVID-19, none of us could have predicted that. None no. of us, it, when they were talking about COVID-19 in China... I just remember hearing about Wuhan, China. I didn't think much about it. It was over there. It was something that was going on over there. I thought it was going to be a bit like the bird flu or whatever else they had. I didn't think anything of it. COVID-19 is an, is is a really stark, but it is a reminder that nothing is guaranteed.
1: No. I started this year <laughs> with vision board and it didn't have COVID-19 <laughs> on it.
0: I'll Thank
1: you, you very much. I had I was meant to be going to Toronto on Friday. Yeah. For you know two weeks with my family. I had meetings set up out there. I was going to go to New York in the summer and going to Kid's Fashion Week. I was speaking to magazines up there. You know, like I had all these and you know, like I was speaking to all these different things were meant to be happening. Things were you know that were in my plan not being stuck in my house
0: mm-hmm.
1: for potentially three months. Mm-hmm. That wasn't part of the plan. Mm at
0: all (laughs) I was reading um I was reading this book authentic happiness by Martin Seligman who is like the founder of um positive psychology and um I can't remember what it said but it, it said something along the lines of who told you anything was promised and we walk around day to day like stuff is promised and it really isn't and rather than that being something that has like shaken me to my core it's given me more of an appreciation of stuff yeah. so the thing that I'd stuck a pin in the thing that I had stuck a pin in so I've known Evadneef since 2016 and I can't remember where I don't can't remember why we were talking about it but there was something that we were talking about we were talking about relationships and marriage and couples and all of that kind of stuff and you said something along the lines of um it was, it was something about prioritizing children over, the, over relationships. And you said something along the lines of, um, for you, it's important for you to check that, for you, for you, it's important that you and your husband are okay because everything flows through that. And when you shared that, I was really triggered by it because that is not how I've been, <laughs> that is not how I was raised. But I was triggered. I knew that there was something more to it, and I just had to wait for that to um, come to me. And whilst I'm still single AF, it has really given me a different perspective on male and female relationships. So you've been self-isolating for three weeks. How do you navigate self-isolating spending Twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week. Forget the children because you know we we expect our children to behave in all sorts of ways. But with your husband,
1: you know it is crazy. If you had told me at the beginning of the year that I would be stuck in my house ha- with my husband for three months, I I would literally be panicked. i think, "How on earth is this going to happen?" The last year for us was really challenging because we're both freelancers. We're both self-employed. We both need, you know, to build our businesses. And it's been, it's been challenging at times, kind of that balance of things. And yet somehow in all of this, we've literally found a rhythm. And it's, it's, it's effortless. We're just like working as this team. Um, we're very honest with each other. Uh, I, he gives me space. I give him space he's hanging out the laundry, he's built a kitchen garden, like all these things. We've just got this lovely rhythm. It's been quite wonderful. So, yeah, we're, it's not even having to force that, which I really love because the last thing I need right now is having to force and do like relationship stuff
0: mm-hmm. with my
1: husband when you're just trying to keep everyone healthy and happy. Yeah. So it's, it's been great. We're, it's, just a, it's just a great partnership. teamwork
0: right now what kind of foundation did you both lay to be in a position because you know people speak quite openly on social media and there's been lots of conversations or there's been lots of people sharing information or you know content about struggles that they're having with their relationship part of me wonders if that's real or whether they're just trying to show we're all in this together, but Mm -hmm. let's take it at face value that it's real. What did you, like, how did you approach your marriage? I know that's a really broad question. Let me narrow it down. Um, Until relatively recently, I wasn't seeing lots of, I, I wasn't seeing information content, and people that do work around supporting people in a um, proactive way to create loving relationships all the stuff that I was seeing, and I'm not saying that that is the truth, it is what I saw, all the stuff that I was seeing was about you fall in love, you have this really beautiful relationship that is just beautiful because you're in love. And then if you have a problem, that's when you start to look at relationship strategy. So I just wonder, you know, you're a little bit younger than me but how is it that somebody of a generation that is similar to mine seems to have got the memo and kind of laid a foundation?
1: I think um, and I don't know if it's luck but Emmanuel and I were really good friends for years before we started dating so I think the foundation of our relationship has been less about aesthetics and physical it's just been a real soul connection and a friendship like the first time I can remember the first time I met him as a friend and thinking he reminded me of like a cousin which I know sounds weird but I'm actually grateful for that because I was like wow I really get on really well with this guy like it was just easy we had fun and so that has been the root: is that we can still be friends because the physical will change Um, and we need to just be good comrades always we're both christians and i think our faith is a real the foundation of our our marriage and it wasn't even i mean the wedding was important but it was always about the marriage and having time to for each other having adventures together um being honest with each other um I'm quite a quirky girl. I'm not your like average black girl, so to speak. And Emmanuel's always just kind of um, allowed me to be. And he's always encouraged. You know, most guys, I think, if their wife turned around to them and said, I want to leave this PAYE, all this money coming in every month, and I'm going to be a penniless artist as I start to, um, you know, navigate my, a new career would have been quite concerned and yes he had concerns but it was that support because knowing that I'm happy means that we will be happy and the same with him when he's inventing things he's techie it's that support for each other and that give and take um and honesty I think.
0: I'm curious it's it Curious, no, I'm not curious. I'm not curious. That um average black girl, yeah, I wonder. I don't wonder. We, Vaddy and I, we have these conversations via WhatsApp and when we see each other all the time. The average black girl, she doesn't even exist. No, <laughs> she was made up by a stereotype yes. and somehow we all at some way in time measured our blackness by this average black girl, woman that does not exist. Yes, Evadne is quirky, but I just think that it's, it's a real shame that racism has worked in such a way that pigeonholes have been created for us and at some, some level, whether it's a deep level or a more shallow level, we buy into it to a degree. Listen to my podcast episode with Nova Reed, which I will tag in the show notes for more on that. But I think that it's, it's really um, liberating when you're able to be your quirky self and have a husband that is saying, are you sure i'm supporting you are you sure i am supporting you but not saying you're not because a a lot of us a lot of and, and it is another monolithic statement but a lot of us black people have been brought up to really um place a lot of value on what we can show because the world expects us not to have so if we can show that we have, we're doing better, we're advancing, we are bastions for the new black and all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think it's um, really um, even more important to be in partnerships where you're allowed to be yourself and not be confined by stereotypes.
1: Yeah, I mean, he loves yeah, at one point, I, when I had an undercut and all this kind of stuff, and he's like, are you a punk now? And I was like, well, not really. I'm just expressing I'm myself. But I think he just likes seeing me be free in me, because if I'm not that, then and I'm somebody else, then I'm not happy. It took me years to work that out. I remember I, I did, you know whole while I was the garage girl I also loved like um red hot chili peppers but right. I never would have told anyone and I kind of like my stuff I never really like I loved things from charity shops and even at St Martin's I just never really felt like I could truly express myself you were either like Shorty Swing My Way or into your Iree and I was oh. both of that and a little bit of something else too, and what in it changed every day. And yeah. I've learned, I think that really changed with motherhood as well. Because I was just like, I've just given birth in front of a room of a whole load of strangers. <laughs> I'm going to do whatever I want. I am a superwoman. I'm dressed in how I want. And it's been it so liberating. There is no box for me.
0: <laughs> Hold on. Is that why your former blog was called Style After Nine? Yeah. Do you know, I always thought it was after 9am. No, after nine
1: months. Some people said that. Some people did say that, or Style After 9pm, and I'm like, yeah, 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 cool. It could be that, but Style After Nine was Style After Nine months. I was like, oh, wow, look at this. I just don't care. I love. Whatever I feel like. Especially as that's Wonderful. a time where lots of people
0: become more conscious and believe that they need to start playing this um, motherly role mm-hmm. um, I have more questions about your career, but I'm going to uh, go over to the mother stuff the mother stuff okay. because you have created a beautiful platform that is a celebration of how I'm interpreting it is the celebration of the womanhood that is within motherhood. Yeah. What led you to um, starting Mums That Slay?
1: Well, I had style after nine. So I started that after I had my, my son and I talked about our style, about me and things I was wearing. I talked about baby carriers, you know, dispose not disposable nappies but like cloth nappies and all mm-hmm. sorts of things that come with being a new mom and that was all very good but after I had my second daughter after I had my daughter I started like caring about myself like I didn't really want to talk about baby stuff anymore even though mm-hmm. I was a kid stylist I wanted to talk about me like I wanted I was going to spa days and I wanted to start wearing sexy underwear that matched and things like that and And I was having conversations with other mums who were like, I'm giving up my whole career because it's all about my my child, which is great. But I was like, I'm just at the beginning of this whole new career. I've got two kids now and I'm super ambitious. And I know that there are a whole load of other women out there who are like me. And I know that the idea of motherhood that I keep seeing on Instagram does not look like the motherhood that I see. There's more to it than this box of what... cool modern motherhood is, and I knew that whatever people were bringing to the table all of our stories made a wonderful jigsaw puzzle of what Mums at Slay is. It's being yourself, it's caring about your purpose and your future and your style and your individuality and, and wanting to express that. So that's where Mums at Slay came from and it was just like a hashtag to begin with and that really built up traction and then I I made the decision to scrap style after nine even though I was doing like ads and people you know were sending me like baby shampoos and things like that to review I was like I don't I, I care about this in my own life but this isn't what I want to talk about I want to talk about me and other women and helping help them to to do that too and now like the hashtag gets used every day like thousands of times And it's amazing. I love it. I love to see it. Is that
0: another um, case of following your joy? Yeah. Love it. Definitely. When you started Mums That Slay,
1: did you envisage hosting a live event? No. No, not at all. I just thought it was going to be another blog. And I was just going to do different posts every week. And it was only when I started to see the impact that my blog and the conversations I was having and my posts were having on individual women's lives. And I was seeing that it was helping them to do things or change how they were dressing. And it was all these DMs um, that I was having that I realized that I needed to take it into something that was live. Um, I really believe in that kind of energy of like collective energy mm-hmm. and being in that space together and feeding off one another, not just what I had to say, but, Panel, you um, and each other—that we needed to come together and like mm-hmm. make something happen. Um, so yeah, it's amazing.
0: And although it starts with style, it goes a lot deeper than that. What are some of the most surprising realizations you've had off the back of mums that slay and encouraging mothers to take care
1: of themselves? I think mental health has come up a lot. That sense of confidence and that sense of not feeling alone, and mm-hmm. this has happened with mums at rave as well. In that, I think we go through motherhood and a lot of things get unsaid and until you speak it out you realize that you're not alone and it's you're not crazy and we're all kind of other people are out there thinking the same thing. so you know I my fitness journey I've been really out there with and open with that I've you know had times I love fitness I was always a gym bunny before I had kids but since I've had kids, it's gone. My weight has gone up and down. My ability to do the gym has gone up and down. And I've kind of shared that journey with people. But even just inspiring women to say that, yeah, you can pick up a really heavy weight. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay to do weightlifting.
0: Yeah, once okay before I'm eat. sure we would have been told some story about once you've had a baby you'll get prolapse at any point in time or something. And do you know what I really love about um, Mums That Slay, something that I took away from Mums That Slay? I've done a lot of inner work. And I also said this to um, Emma Carr. I forgot. She used to be on Instagram as the fashion craver, but she's now, or Anatomy Style or something, but she's changed her handle. She's doing something a bit different. Um, But you and her... Both taught me that I can do all of the inner work I want to do, but that doesn't mean that I c- I, sh- I need to neglect the outer. So, for example, there are many times like I'm I'm comfortable with who I am. Um, yes, I have my peaks and troughs like everybody else, but because I was I became so comfortable with who I am, I stopped making an effort with my clothing. Um, and half the time I'd look like a teenager that's just like hanging around the local shopping mall. And what you helped me to realise is that sometimes it needs to start there because that's your way in when everything else feels too big. And also sometimes that is the way, that is the, that is the, um, that's the cherry or the icing on the cake. So you've got a cake, it's, you know, you've mixed the eggs, the salt, uh, the sugar, you know, you've made the batter, you've baked the egg. I mean, that cake, that cake is wonderful. But then you just take that cake to another level, the way that you ice it and you dress it and set it nicely on the table. And I used to think, oh, surface level, whatever. But those moments... When you have thought well when let me claim that, I'm talking about myself, let me not project. But those moments (laughs) Exactly, not me putting it over there. Those moments when I have thought about my outfit. I haven't necessarily bought something new. I've thought about my outfit. I've put it together and I catch myself in the mirror. The day goes from like seven point five to nine, boom, in an instant. One
1: hundred percent. It's, it's and that I do talk about that on the blog like even when you start as a new mum or a mum whose body is still like as I said my weight's gone all over the, the place and I could just like plummet and say I'm waiting until this magical stage I will on those days where I'm feeling my roughest those are the days when you'll see me with my red lipstick my amazing jacket I, you know, I, I, I strong, and then maybe because I'm a stylist, maybe because I'm passionate about fashion and historical, but it is your way of saying, this is who I am. This is how I feel. And it's, it's so important. And it's a way of expressing yourself. Like you can feel any way, but I find that when I do make some effort with my style, I'm like, I'm still here. I'm still Evagni. I'm not just mom. I'm not just this. I'm me. Mm-hmm. And today, this is what I'm going to say, and I'm going to say it in pink ruffles.
0: <laughs> and you know what's even nicer, as opposed to, um, and, and and you know, this is no shade or whatever, because there's a couple of influencers that I follow, and I, I like to see their curated feeds and all of that, but what I love about Mums That Slay is that I'm propelled to take action because there is such a, you share your posts and you also share posts of uh, mothers in your community. And there's such a wide variety. It removes that when it's okay for her because she's got this perfect life in Kensington or whatever, because it makes it like the average mother. And I don't mean average as in, um, you know, I don't know, I mean like it's accessible anybody can do it whether you are a lawyer that um has their own practice but likes fancy lingerie Mm. or you work part-time and you you know shop in charity shops and can create great looks out of stuff that you found god knows where it just makes it tangible I mean I don't I
1: understand where women come from who may not have that confidence to step out in their own sense of style and therefore will see that someone is wearing a zebra dress and think I need that zebra dress and by wearing it I'm therefore stylish Mm -hmm. you kind of understand or I can appreciate that um, way of looking at things but for me that would be like a nightmare I would hate to look like anyone else I've done that before in my Shorty Swing My Way days. (laughs) Trying to look like everyone else. I want to be myself. And I, I, you know, I do my dates Fridays and I'm like, okay, we're going to do leopard print. How do you do it? I pass it over to people so that they can take control in how they express themselves. And you're right. I have people that work in retail, supermarkets, older women, younger women, black, white, plus like all sorts of things. And and I, I love that so much more because it's showing that we're all Doing things in our own way. We're all yeah. slaying in our own way, and yeah. any woman can be
0: a mum that
1: slays. Hey. We all are.
0: Now, speaking yeah. of expression, being a mum that slays, and uh, being uh, accessible, you joined forces with Nikki Beatnik, DJ Nikki Beatnik, to create Mums That Rave please could you share what Mums That Rave is and why you decided to create it?
1: So Mums That Rave is a community, first and foremost, and it is uh, an event put on for mums by mums, me and the Jeniki. we're both mums of young kids, um, to come together with our any men or any kids and just party and have fun and make new friends and that's it and um, it came about because I had my hustle and Sleigh first live event hustle and slay for mums that slay you were on the panel it was amazing Nikki was on the panel and we were all talking about you know what we do and afterwards we had some music and everyone was kind of like jumping along and then Nikki invited me to her Christmas bash bash so that was like starting at eleven o'clock night. I haven't gone out on a night like that in a long time, but I went with some friends and I was like, I'm just gonna stay for a couple of hours and three o'clock in the morning I was still <laughs> dancing hard and Were I was swinging your way. Were you sure he's your way? My way? I was <laughs> elated. I couldn't it was like I lit up and I just remembered like this side of me that I had pushed aside yeah I danced to weddings I dance in the kitchen with the kids or in the car but it was very different to actually being dressed up and dancing to music that I love with other adults I was sweaty and it was great and we were like we were there and we were like we should just combine forces and bring together that hustle and slay so my hustle and slay event was all about um career self-love style we had a panel discussion we had a community but having an actual rave <laughs> element where women could do that was the, the the missing link and so we started mums at rave last year and um, we did our first event in june and we just had our eighth event um which is a galentine's rave not
0: even um, an, not even a year and you've done yeah. eight
1: Yeah, so some of those eights included um, pop up Rays, the brand. So we collaborated with Primark and we collaborated with Tenor as well to put on Rays. And it's been amazing. We just won an award. uh, Come on! (laughs) And it's been absolutely crazy. It's just been an amazing year. Really challenging for me as well back into events which I used to do doing PR and putting that on but you know we had our first event oh the day well daytime and nighttime but we had our first event and it started you know with a certain amount of women and it's just grown and grown and each one seeing women come and that moment when they step on the dance floor and you just see their whole faces light up and they feel free and they're expressing themselves and now they come to our events and they literally look like they're dressed up for their own music video, um, and they're feeling fabulous. They
0: are not playing. No, the the, the sequins, the pearls, the shimmer, the glitter. Yeah. Oh my goodness! These, do you know? I've 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 only managed to be to go to one Mums That Rave event so far. What has struck me the most? is women, maybe they saw each other on social media, maybe they'd seen each other at different events, but at Mums That Rave, they went from connections online to actually being friends. So I know somebody that has been to, I think she might have been to every single Mums That Rave. And the first one, she was messaging me saying that she was really nervous because she was going on her own. And I was like, please do not worry about it. If will look after you, there's going to be other people there. You're going to be absolutely fine. She didn't really have friends before for whatever reasons. My goodness, she has got friends I'm not saying she's got intimate friends that she's going to say oh my goodness I can't pay my council tax to but (laughs) she has got friends that she can call up and say let's go to mums that rave together they go together they have a damn good time they message each other in between that lady she looked like and um, it's like when we were first having the discussion, I'm thinking about that Anae Nin quote about the rosebud that couldn't be a tightly budded rose anymore. I can't remember exactly, I'll find it. But literally she was like a really tight rosebud and now she's like her rose has opened for people to see. And that, like that myself is from the dance floor that you yeah. created.
1: Yeah. I felt like that in myself, you know, like I th- I look back to the first event and people were in like caftans and nice like maxi dresses and that kind of thing. And, and now it's like over the knee boots. It's very sexual. And I yeah. think that's okay. You know, we, we forget yes, we're mums, Yes. We're over 35. We're over 40. We have mums who are grandparents who come to our age and it doesn't mean that we're not sexy anymore. We don't want to feel sexy. Can I tell um, you something? Um, without Bendis, men. We don't need the men there we to feel sexy. Them. It's better without them.
0: I'm not there. It's better without them, soz, but it is what it is. It is. And also, <laughs> when you're tapping into your sensuality for yourself, it is next level altogether. 100%. Like, I really believe that our access to power is through pleasure, not saccharine sweet pet pleasure with no substance, but you have your panel at the beginning, so people are getting some, you know, mind and soul nourishment, and then you're having the hedonistic rave afterwards, but it's based on real community you know what I love when you guys share your pictures people are not at mums that rave for nice pictures to be tagged on Instagram people are enjoying themselves
1: because we created this as well because both Nikki and I had gone to mum events where it was all about who are you on Instagram how many numbers do you have are you part of this clique? And you could stand there feeling like Billy Nomates, mates like the atmosphere was not true. It was set yeah. up and diversity was a tick box, Yeah, right? We didn't want that. It had to be, you had to come and just feel it. And, and I think that's why people are like, oh, it's very diverse. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do have a lot of black mums at our events. I think they feel like they have a place where they're not, there is like a tick box and they're not there to dance and entertain other women either. Um, Oh, hold up.
0: Hold up. That one nearly passed me. They are not there to dance and entertain other people either. No. Badney Davis. How many times? Oh my gosh. How many times have we seen... Black people, particularly black women, there for sassy girl entertainment. Yeah, we—it's not significant, you know. You're the we fact that you're there, that included, normal. and quote unquote normal. Not are oh So that I one think caught me by surprise.
1: So what has happened though is some people feel that they to come to our event you have to be an amazing dancer because. We have so many of these black women who are amazing dancers, and because they are literally free to dance at their very best without worrying if they're like entertaining anyone, they're literally just being free. We have like floor walks, and people just take the floor and do whatever they want. At the, but that's not it, because some people just enjoy standing and, and watching, some people take in walking to the middle of the floor and they're not the world's greatest dancers, but they are having the time of their the life. Joy their the
0: joy on their faces. The joy on their faces.
1: Yeah. It, your heart is pumping. Like at the last one, I did vote we said we were having a Vogue ball and I voked. And it was so much fun. And at the end of it, we had Lucy from um Worm Chat. And she sort of grabbed me and hugged me because I could literally was like, "I'm gonna fly! <laughs> <laughs>
0: this is great! <laughs> it is so great!" And you know, um, when I came to Mums That Rave, I came to one of your nighttime ones. Mm. I'm looking forward to COVID nineteen being all over so I can come to the daytime one because I, I I'm I'm I know who I am. Timeless and me just don't yeah they just don't get along but what was so lovely is that when you're doing the work you can get so so serious and you can forget so I talk about playtime but you forget about playtime with other people and that playtime with other people helped me to make a pivot that was really important for me to make, but I would not have seen the importance of that pivot and I would have dithered with it had I not come there and remembered that real play, oh my gosh, tune, happiness, yeah.
1: enjoyment
0: is, is vital.
1: I can look back at some of the videos from those nights I, on repeat just moments yeah and it's literally just seeing I mean I've seen women cry tears of joy because their life is hard mm-hmm. their relationships are hard mm-hmm. and they're happy mm-hmm. um I you know we've had because a, a, a big part of it both Nick and I are self-employed and it is about creating that like community where you can bounce ideas off and get inspiration for starting business ideas we've had people start businesses we've had people who are suffering with depression who are using mums that rave as a form of dance therapy Mm -hmm. and it's actually helping them their mental health Mm -hmm. it's incredible it's it's and we'd love because sometimes we've had events where people then carry on some of them go on and rave (laughs) <laughs> um, but people just hung out, and like it's literally again, and, uh, and this is what happens with mums today. When you're honest, when you're saying, you know, I'm a very sexual person, I want to, you know, we're having these conversations that are mm-hmm. really heavy that people uh, thought was just them. We've talked about relationships, we've talked about our kids, it's gone really deep, mm-hmm. and that's been really cathartic too. Like it's, an, it's a genuine. Community, there is apparently a Mums at rave WhatsApp group that neither Nikki and I are part of. Oh, <laughs> that <then>. Renegades! <laughs> That's cool.
0: <laughs> Renegade. And, and I think actually sometimes you need a bit of a break because when you're holding all of that space, you can't be in it all the time. No, no, no. Um, what has been the most challenging part? Oh, no, let me reframe that. What has been the biggest lesson you have learned in holding the spaces that you hold, whether it's mums that rave or mums that slay?
1: Sometimes it's just time. You know, I'm people have always said that I'm one of those people that can just do lots of things and I'm I, I can pick up different things and I'm good at them and I like to do things well. And I'm very creative. So I, I have ideas all the time of things that I want to start. Um, and so it's, it's times when it's literally just feeling worn down. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm doing... I didn't do much of Mums at Slay in terms of blogging last year because it was managing Mums... You know, starting Mums That Rave with Nikki, And there are times when you literally feel like you've got burnout. You're trying to do that and your kids and your cooking and your styling career planning for shoots, when are you meant to be on social media or trying to get people to buy tickets mm-hmm. and all of that kind of stuff. So it's, it's it's been that. But the thing that I always come back to um, is I'm really passionate about celebrating other women. I realise that in times that it's, it's hard for me, when I take away from feeling sorry for myself and I start thinking of other people, I feel better. Yeah. And so it could be a selfish thing, but I do mums that slay because I love celebrating women. I'm passionate about it. That is something that has always been there in my life from the childhood, maybe because it was just me and my mum and I've always been the encourager and that person that would go into someone's wardrobe and go, this is great, you look amazing, you should do, that's me. And so I, I just get joy from it. Um, and the same with, Mums That Rave, you know, we're getting messages now and we have to try and look at how we can bring Mums That Rave, the COVID edition. How do yeah. we do that? Yeah. Because people yeah. will need it. We need to settle into the season yeah, and then bring something to allow people to have fun and play. Um, but I just love celebrating other women. It's It's good for me and it's good for them. So that keeps me going. But the time... And I'm quite, um, I don't call it selfish, but I like to block time. So those days of me working until one o'clock in the morning are not for me. Mm -hmm. I don't like to do physical burnout. Yeah. So the thing that we'll always have to drop is the blog. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Or elements of mums that, right, because I want to go to my bed or I want to have a thought bath. Yeah. Or I want to watch a beautiful black and white movie or go to an art gallery. Yeah.
0: Yeah boundaries 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 love that um so thinking about uh we're 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 all you know impacted by COVID-19 what is or are everyday joy experiences you've had During or because of COVID 19. So I know COVID 19 is the big bad wolf, but for many of us, it is providing things we never would have got. And I don't mean the horrible actual virus, but it's providing time and stuff that we've never got. What's some everyday joy you've experienced courtesy of CV 19?
1: I think little things about resourcefulness that we talked about in the beginning, you know. It's so hard to get a shopping delivery now. And so we, because my mum has this allotment and I'm always prepared, I have a freezer full of frozen gorgeous vegetables and a cupboard full of pulses that I rarely touch and another cupboard full of herbal teas that I rarely drink. And I'm creating some amazing dinners and creating amazing food from very little that are delicious and they're feeding my family. And I enjoy that creativity. I'm not going to look at like food waste in the same way again because I realized how much I took for granted before Mm. and likewise you know for years I said we need to start kitchen garden my husband built us a kitchen a raised bed and we're planting seeds so that's been a a great joy in doing like the gardening I've discovered I'm not at the gym I love my gym. I love weightlifting and I'm still, Mm -hmm. I can't buy weights. It's all sold out. Sold out everywhere. And yeah, that's, anyway, I'm still working on how I can actually do some of that real strength training. I have tried it with my daughter who is 18 kilograms and did (laughs) some squats and I did some um, bicep curls with her. But um, I found some great online workouts yeah. for free. Yeah. I'm doing something called Sweat in the City. This amazing lady does soca workouts and soaker like hit workouts. And I do it Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays, eight o'clock in the morning. So much joy. What a day. How to start your day waving a yeah. rag around your living room, <laughs> dancing to music that you love. That's a joy. Um and catch up with friends as well, like at all times of the day, because you know everyone's home.
0: I know. I know. <laughs>
1: in New York and and having ideas like in this downtime I've got lots of ideas I'm trying to yes there's not much I can do right now and my vision board looks a bit off track but I still think it's really important to have big picture and big dreams and big ideas and something to hope for yeah Um, and those are still happening
0: Because they're going to be happening long after Corona has gone to wherever it needs to get to. Yeah,
1: You know, I'm accepting where I'm at now. I'm in this season. I'm not trying to force things. Um, And I do things every day. I'm reading a bit more um, and looking after myself and being, I always was quite healthy in terms of like all my tinctures and oils, but on that for sure. Um, But I still got goals. I still, I'm a stylist as well. There are no shoots happening. I know. Well, but I, I'm literally like I discovered online communities where there are ideas going around. It's all about taking things online. So I'm, I've got ideas for how can I bring what I do online. Yeah. And yeah.
0: When life gives you lemons, you make... A beautiful, well, we would make lemonade, but Evadne would make a beautiful cocktail in all kinds of fancy glass (laughs) and all kinds (laughs) of stuff that she finds out of God knows where. She's like Blue Peter with
1: panache. 100%.
0: Evadne, thank you so much for your time. You. I've really, really enjoyed our conversation, um, and I think what is going to happen now, I've got a couple more things I need to do. But before I do them, I'm going to go and have like a 12 minute. I can have uh, four songs in 12 minutes. I'm going to go and have a four min a four song solo mum that rave,
1: mother
0: that's raving before I continue with my day.
1: So important. Every day that, that is my prescription, that is my remedy to get through this season. Play music that just makes you so happy, whether it takes you way back or it's something out now and just play it loudly, and sing it. I'm a savage. Yeah, and it feels weird to begin with, it feels uncomfortable, and then 30 seconds in, you're like, oh yeah, here I am, spinning in a circle, and life is good. Absolutely, what a beautiful way to end, thank you so much for your time. Oh,
0: oh, oh, before you go, where can we find you? Where is the best place, the best digital place? (laughs) So,
1: if you want to find my styling, it's uh, www.vadney.com and mums that and mums that and through all of those websites you can come through to my instagram communities you'll find something very different on each one and i hope to see you there
0: Beautiful. I will make sure that there are links there. Uh, Mums that rave and Mums that slay both have mailing lists. I suggest you sign up to both of them so that you can find out if there is going to be a virtual Mums that rave. Mm -hmm. And also, um, no pressure, but Evadne does wonderful, beautiful newsletters. Um, And if you subscribe, you'll be able to get access to her lovely uh, newsletter that looks like a magazine. (laughs) thank you so much take care take
1: care bye
0: thank you for listening to 360 conversations I appreciate you sharing your precious time with my guest and I I hope you found the episode useful I'd be so grateful if you could rate and review my podcast like an increasing number of our digital experiences the algorithms rule Your feedback will assist me reaching a wider audience and I'd really love to have more women being privy to or joining these conversations. The feedback I get following each episode is beautiful and tells me more women could benefit. As always, I'd love to keep the conversation going. You can join me by commenting on the podcast show notes on my website or via social media at Live360. I hope to engage with you soon podcast produced by me, Tammy Thomas, podcast music produced by James Anderson. Take care.